Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Targa. Thanks for joining us today. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today comes to us from Shark River Hills, New Jersey. He is one Jonathan T. Jonathan T. is a soulful singer-songwriter making American roots rock. T's sound blends strong, earthy vocals with well-crafted songs to create a sound that is familiar, yet will especially appeal to those who are looking for something a little bit outside of the box. Drawing from the best parts of the blues, 70s rock and roll, and classic country, and combining them with a modern aesthetic, T delivers on stage with passion, tempered with moments of subtle restraint and sensitivity, inviting the crowd into his story and rewarding careful listeners with smart lyrics and a mature sense of phrasing and groove. Born in the suburbs of L.A., raised in Texas, and now living in Shark River Hills, New Jersey, Jonathan does voiceovers for commercials and narration for documentaries, as well as working for Apple. He loves being outdoors and taking long hikes, and it's a dream of his to hike both the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail. He enjoys all board sports, whether it's surfing, skateboarding, and snowboarding. And he actually used to be a snowboard instructor and was semi-pro competitive downhill technical slide skateboarder for Earthwing Skateboarders. He's a big fan of Westworld on HBO, as well as Stranger Things, Better Call Saul, The Last OG, and The Office. We asked Jonathan if he has any pet peeves, and he responded with, People who are disrespectful to others, talking without listening, gossip, texting, and driving. Jonathan has been a vegetarian since 1995, and his favorite foods are Tex-Mex, guacamole, and pizza. In terms of a favorite beer, Jonathan has mentioned that Asbury Park Brewing Sea Dragon IPA is his beverage of choice. Does Jonathan have any favorite tequila as well? Casamigos and Espalón. For our conversation today, we'll be discussing the Foo Fighters' record Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace. This is the sixth studio album by the band, and it was released back on September the 25th of 2007 for RCA Records. It was recorded at 606 Studios in Alexandria, Virginia, and there was a guest performer on this album, Khaki King, who is on the track Ballad of the Beaconsfield Miners. Without further ado, let's welcome Jonathan T. to the program. Jonathan T., it is such a pleasure to speak with you. We are talking to one another on a Thursday night. It's a little bit, it's been a, it's been a humid day in June here. Yes, it has here as well. 
like I said, I'm really excited to speak with you. And we're going to be talking about the Foo Fighters and their sixth record on RCA titled Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace. I'd like to start off by asking where it began for you. What um, what made you choose this record? And have you been a fan from of the Foo Fighters since the uh, inception of the group? So to talk about the Foo Fighters, of course we have to go back to Nirvana. So um, it was 1993. I was a junior in college, and... Nevermind was released and it was blowing up on the airwaves. And the first time I heard it, I'm like, what is this garbage of noise? And the second time I heard it, my head was banging back and forth. And the third time I heard it, the windows were down and I was practically hanging out the windows. Um, it was, it's, it's basically a, it's a punk rock revival is what, nirvana brought like with modern technology and modern guitar distortion they took the energy of the punk punk rock of the late 70s and brought it to the forefront of the early 90s with the sensibility of songwriting of the beatles i mean kurt cobain kurt cobain was a big fan of the beatles uh dave grohl is a big fan of the beatles and um that's one of the things that I love about the Foo Fighters is, you know, I loved Nirvana. It was very raw. Dave Grohl found a way to take that energy that uh, Nirvana had and make it relate to more people or make it accessible to more people. You know, scream, like, I, I mean, to hear... Kurt Cobain scream and like choke the neck of his guitar like that's a visceral experience that many of us can appreciate but not everybody it's not for everybody and um and I felt like with Foo Fighters they were able to take the energy of Nirvana and craft maybe a little bit more mature songs or or more mature sounds or soundscapes and and it it to me, it feels like at the same time listening to them is like diving into a motion picture soundtrack that equally has the Sex Pistols playing in the background. I I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's... Yeah. We're talking with Jonathan T. here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka. We're talking about the Foo Fighters and their sixth record from on RCA, Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace, in that particular order. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan, can you tell us who makes up the Food Fighters? You mentioned that you can't not talk about Nirvana when you speak about the Food Fighters. And along with Dave Grohl, there's another player in the Food Fighters. Um, let's talk about him and who the other folks are. Yeah, so um, also coming over uh, from Nirvana, uh, you've got from the Germs. Um, it's Pat. Pat, yes, That's Pat right. Smear. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. So Pat joined Nirvana on their last album, Heart Shaped Box, 
this was about a year before Kurt Cobain died. And I'm I'm so ashamed I forgot his name, but I remember the history here. Um, <laughs> so um, Pat joined the band, and he was a, a great bolt of energy, a second guitar player that really filled out the sound. And then Kurt Cobain killed himself, and um, <clears throat> everything went on hold. So as as many people know, Dave. Grohl went in the studio and recorded the first Foo Fighters album solo. He did all the parts. And then when he started touring, of course, he reached out to Pat and said, listen, we're going, I'm going to take this band on tour, like come and join me. And, uh, and uh, yeah, he joined him and, and Pat's become a big part of the Foo Fighters sound. Yeah. Um, Dave typically plays a Gibson guitar. Nate Shiflett typically plays a Fender guitar, like a Telecaster. And um, Pat plays a Gretsch guitar, which um, if anyone has ever played a Gretsch guitar, it has a very distinctive sound. It was very popular in the rockabilly era. Uh, but when you run a Gretsch guitar through some serious distortion, it has a rumble unlike any other guitar. And that was the thing that really filled out the Foo Fighters sound to me. You know, you had Dave Grohl on the on the Gibson who was laying down the punk rock guitar. Then you had um, um, you had Chris Shiplett uh, who is doing basically arpeggiation on the Fender guitar. And then you have Pat Smear, who's just laying down this wall of sound of grunge and distortion through his Gretsch guitar. And the three, when they meet, it's rock and roll. It's it's a new sound that I had not heard before, and it's one that I uh, will, will never forget and appreciate forever. Talking with Jonathan T. here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka. We're talking about the Foo Fighters and their 2007 record, Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace. Can you describe, Jonathan, for our audience, when you first heard this record? I know you mentioned that you've been a fan of them since their beginning, but can you recall just a little anecdote as to, you know, when you say, you know, say you heard like the first single or two off of this particular album? Yeah, so I um, I also do voiceovers for a living. And um, when this album came out, I was the voice of an alternative radio station, one in Vancouver and one in Los Angeles. And when the album came out, the first single they put out was The Pretender. And I remember doing promos and... and uh, they would have me say little things in between the songs, like, and now on Alt 98.7, the Foo Fighters, the Pretender, like that, what, whatever, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not doing my voice over voice right now, but, <laughs> uh, um, but that's basically the gist of it is I would be setting up the songs and <clears throat> I started diving into the album a little bit. And when it was released on iTunes, I actually I downloaded it on iTunes. And there were other songs on the album that do not exist today. 
when you when you downloaded I th- maybe it was like a special edition or something like that had a few other uh demo tracks on it that are not on the uh the version that exists today um but i just at that time i was living in rockaway beach new york and working in new york city and it's about a 55 minute subway commute from rockaway beach to get into the city and I would put that album on when I got on the train or, or actually when I was standing on the subway tracks, I would start it and uh, would just listen to it on repeat. It just see like being on a subway train. When you're in Rockaway Beach, New York, you're above ground. It's not a subway. It's an above ground train. And traveling to the city, you're traveling over um, – the Bay Area that's near JFK Airport and then over Brooklyn until you finally dive underground and then go into the city. Um, but this this album was like a soundtrack for that commute for me to just travel as the, the train rattled along the tracks and over the water and the sun reflecting on the water or the like a cloudy day where everything was dark and dreary and and the water looked black as night it was it just worked it was it became very special for me talking with Jonathan T here on cover to cover with Matt Tarka and we're getting into the actual tracks that comprise this record from the Foo Fighters which again is Echo Silence Patience and grace and uh Jonathan, from the very beginning here uh you mentioned that pretender was a song that you um that you announced that was on the radio first single um let's dig into that song just a little bit and uh Taylor Hawkins is on the drums he's like he's got this like sort of militant snare, if you will that yes that is, you know, that like really gives it this driving, chugging, you know, rhythm. And it's just, it, it complements Pat and, and Dave Grohl so, so incredibly well. And uh, you also mentioned that Dave was, you know, is a big fan of the Beatles. This song really just, I feel like it epitomizes that love for the group and Paul McCartney in particular. Yes, Absolutely. You know, that I would say that this album in particular, <clears throat> across all the tracks, is the most Beatles-esque of all the Foo Fighters albums that, that I know of. I mean, or or that I, that's my opinion. Like, I, I'm, I've heard all the albums, but this is the one that, to me, just makes me feel like, like I just really hear that, that, Paul McCartney, especially, and a little bit of Lennon coming through in in the songwriting, a lot of the unexpected chord changes and the the way that the phrases turn around on themselves, it just it it seems like such a nod to just classic great songwriting. What other tracks would you like to discuss? You know, from this record, would you like, or would you like to just go side by side here? We can. We can do whatever you'd like. Well, you know, um, the whole album is, it, it's a journey. It's one of those ones that you can put on and you feel like you're being, being, you start at one place 
and you rise and you fall and you reach a climax and you reach a conclusion and you come back down. Like the whole album is worth looking through all the way for sure. Um, but I guess the next track that I really, really connected with was um, a track called Come Alive, which I think is the um, fifth track on the album. Um, it's right after Long Road to Ruin, which was their second single. Mm-hmm. So um, on Come Alive, uh, I had just moved to New York when this album came out, like about three years prior. I was coming from a farm in Ohio. And prior to that, I grew up in Texas. Um, I had moved to Ohio to be a production director at a radio station in Cleveland. And um, <clears throat> had never stopped doing music, but working in radio was, was a, a nice sideline business that would allow me to pay the bills and still stay connected to music, which I love more than anything. And... Uh, so I had just moved to New York. I had just gotten an agent here uh, as a voiceover talent. I also do commercials uh, and narration for documentaries. And I had gotten to New York, and I was traveling into the city more and more. And like I said, this had become the soundtrack for my um, for my commute in. And um, I met a woman named Stacy at one of my voiceover auditions, and she is a casting director and um, one of the major ones in New York City. And we had a, a special moment where we just kind of looked at each other and we locked eyes and there was a soft sparkle in her eyes. And, and at that moment, I realized that I was feeling something that I had not felt in a long time. I uh, I got married when I was 28, and I was divorced before I moved to New York City, and I had been divorced for a couple of years, and I met Stacy, and uh, everything opened up. It's like the, the world cracked open for me. So Come Alive was like my anthem. It was <clears> – <throat> it's it just basically – the lyrics resonated with me as – someone who had come from a dark place and was closed off and was now opening up to a world of possibility and, and light and goodness and all that stuff. And, uh, so it, it became an anthem for me for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's an acoustic lace track. It's arpeggiated yet. It's got a really kind of clean sound somehow. And, mm -hmm. uh, I I personally love the the orchestral and timpani arrangements and you know uh, combined with all these explosions of guitars you know from from Pat and and from Dave you know there was a lot of there was a lot of tender loving care and a lot of texture that went into this recording um what do you think Yeah absolutely so like yeah. the, as the the track opens up it's so delicate it's acoustic guitars that are played so sensitively and so um, just expressively, like really masterful playing on uh, like as an acoustic guitar track. And it's, it's laid out there and it feels very calm. It feels very comfortable. And at some point the bottom drops out on it 
the bass kicks in and the electric guitars kick in and you feel like there is like a power coming up like from the ground that's just like that lifts you up it's it's really an amazing thing they did a great job with it it was amazing production are there any lyrics in particular that stand out um the the chorus i i lay here in the dark and i close my eyes you saved me the day you came alive like it's it it's Basically, it's it's somebody who's just felt this amazingly powerful connection. And they're laying in their bed and they're closing their eyes and they're thinking about it. And this person who is laying there with their eyes closed imagining it is feeling redeemed by the fact that the person they've just had this connection with has connected with them. And it and it's a it's like a two way street and it's you know when two souls connect it's it's more than the sum of its parts it's amazing yeah. and so for me like that was the electricity of this song is to feel and, and the music accurately and beautifully supports that lyric it lifts it up it it you feel the that moment of coming alive and and feeling connected and and seeing potential and having hope it's all like it's very positive and it's very beautiful we are talking with jonathan t here on cover to cover with matt tarka jonathan is a voiceover artist and a musician and uh when you visit this episode i will be supplying some links in the show notes to check out plenty of jonathan's music so Stay tuned for that. Um, Jonathan, what, what's the next song that you would like to discuss? Well, so one that's really interesting on this album is um, it's called uh, The Ballad of the Beaconsfield Miners. Oh, and yeah. this is where we have a guest artist on the album. Um, Khaki King, I think that's how you say it, is it? Kaki, Kiki, K A K K I, K A K I. Yeah. Um, but I I know her music very well. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce her name very well. Um, but she is a, a phenomenal guitarist, and she does a lot of unconventional things within a, an acoustic guitar. And so when uh, Dave and uh, the rest of the Foos were writing this song. They were coming up with this kind of like two-hand tapping acoustic guitar scenario. And they came up with this riff that sounded cool and everything like that. And they decided to bring her in. And uh, this is a great story that I love about this album is that she played it once and the first time through just sight reading it, she played it better than, than Dave said he could have ever played it. Uh, that those, those are Dave Dave's words. So um, it's really an interesting piece of music. It's all instrumental. There's no lyrics, but it really, the thing about this album that I really love is it feels like the Foo Fighters went to the country it feels like the Foo Fighters went to the mountains in Virginia, which they literally did. This is recorded at, at Dave's house in Virginia. Um, and just unwound a little bit 
embrace the environment, embrace the the culture of of folk music in this country, and then somehow brought it back to marry it with Dave's punk punk rock aesthetic and um and the Foo Fighters just classic pop songwriting and and to me that's why this is a special album i mean this album and the color and the shape which was their second album are my favorites um which incidentally are were both produced by gil norton so um gil norton produced the color and the shape and uh they decided to bring him back for this album because they wanted to recapture that kind of a feel and that was the album if you recall had um yeah. Everlong, that that's that's the album um, that had Everlong on it, and uh, that was the track that really set Foo Fighters apart from other rock bands to me. It was just so smart and so otherworldly. Yeah, what they did with that track, um, and so I feel like a lot of this album recaptures that with Jonathan T. here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka about the sixth offering from the Foo Fighters. And uh, Jonathan, I wanted to just quickly mention something. And, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about the Beatles and, you know, Paul, you know Paul's influence and Lennon's influence. The track right before Battlefield of the Beaconsfield Miners um, is a tune called Summer's End. And uh, it sounded... You know, at first blush for me is a sinister kind of rebuttal to Ringo Starr's "It Don't Come Easy." Oh, that's so interesting! I never I was wondering if I was wondering if you thought like I'm just completely full of you know full of it by that idea, or you know, and just from a sequential point of view, you know, there's you know many mentions of you know being in the sweet Virginia countryside and bloody lips and cherry wine and moonshine in your hair. I it just thought it was sequenced so so well, and just thinking about you know, what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. You know, I did skip over that track, but that, I mean, there's, I have a lot of favorites on this album and that's yeah. definitely one of them. That's a song that it captures a feeling. It feels like, it feels like 7 PM on a summer night when the sun's like starting to fade back, but it's not as hot as it was before. You can get outside and, and, you're with the people you love and, and maybe there's some live music playing there. And, and it's just, I don't know. Like that's the things that I'm, I'm attracted to as a musician and an artist and a fan are any, anyone who can take a moment in time and encapsulate it in a feeling that they can put into music or words or visual that, like if you can evoke an emotion with somebody you've done your job and that's i think that's true art right there and and uh summer's end this track is is one of those that definitely evokes a feeling for me it was definitely successful for me what's the next song we should talk about all right i'm i'm going to skip to the last song on the official album which okay. is called home um, when I originally got this album, I bought it on iTunes and they had like, you could buy the deluxe edition and it had some um, like demo tracks in it 
Um, there was a track in there called Seda, S-E-D-A. And that was a beautiful, beautiful song. It was just a demo. Um, I loved it so much. I can't believe it didn't make the actual album. Um, if you can ever find it anywhere, I recommend it. Um, but other than that, there's uh, the the final track of the album, Home, which is it's coming back to everything that's safe. It's coming back to what you've known your whole life and the people you love and the places you know. And it's so poignant and so perfect because he's recording it at his childhood home. At this time, he's purchased the um, Neve console from Sound City and Los Angeles that, you know, Fleetwood Mac, Tom Petty, all these people recorded these albums on, and he's moved it to his home in, in Virginia. And he's recording through this console that has so much magic and mojo through it. And to record a song like this in your actual home, um, that's, to me, that's amazing. That's, that's, that's a fully realized artistic statement, and um, I respect that with just so much. Dave Grohl sings a little bit of falsetto on this track, which was such a nice touch, and um, I believe the guitarist has been completely removed from the overall mix. We have piano, vocals, and some orchestral arrangements. Yep, yep, that, that's that's right. And and that's the thing is like we all know Dave Grohl can scream like nobody else. Like he'll just sit there at the microphone and just go, "Wow!" Like you know, yeah, he, yeah, he, he can do it for for five hours a night. And and I don't know how he does it, but when he pulls back and when he hits his sensitive side, when he goes deep. Uh, whether it's his falsetto or even his lower range, when he's soft and reflective and sensitive, um, it's amazing. I mean, like just like Kurt Cobain, like um, something in the way on uh, Nevermind. That was that was recorded with him laying back in in a in a chair in the lounge. It's like in the control room. They they put a mic right over him. It, it I I just I just feel that kind of connection to like being sensitive to holding space and being respectful to like sometimes less is more. Sometimes you say what you need to say and you get out of the way and you let the the reverberations have their impact. You know. Boy, truer words have not been spoken in, in a studio environment, that's for sure. <laughs> Jonathan, I would like to close our conversation by talking about the cover art on this record. And when you look at this piece of cover art on the sixth offering from the Food Fighters, what kinds of emotions are conjured up for you? Um, does, does anything um, does anything speak to you? Do you think it's... Um, an accurate representation of what you are about to really 
get consumed with by the food fighters? You know, it's that's a really good question, Matt. Um, it's funny because when I look at the cover art, for me personally, I don't feel a strong attachment to it. Basically what it is is um, on the front cover is uh, a vacuum tube, um, which would be used in many of the uh, vintage audio gear that probably the Foo Fighters might have used, um, with a couple of wings attached to it, which makes it look like a bomb, which mm. also is a, a nice um, <laughs> a foreshadowing of, you know, the, the Foo Fighters kind of punk rock aesthetic that they do launch into on this album. Um, it's so you you have this combination this um melding together of of warm analog tubey stuff along with something that's just going to blow up your world and mm. i think that's is even though visually to me looking at the cover doesn't excite me it does accurately portray what you're going to what you're going to get from the album you're going to get warmth you're going to get introspection, and you're also going to get a little bit of of hell yeah, we're, let's tear this down, let's let's set it all on fire, kind of thing. Um, so that's kind of cool about it. I think it, it's it's an accurate portrayal of what you're going to get, um, as far as that goes. Even though it doesn't necessarily resonate with me personally. It's, um, I love the album for the music, not the cover. Let's just say that. Jonathan, it's been great to have you on the program. Thank you so much for being on Cover to Cover and sharing this uh, offering from the Food Fighters, Echoes, Silence, Patience, and and Grace. Just many thanks for being here, and uh, I really enjoyed uh, hearing your thoughts on the record. Matt, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's like uh, we we met each other a, a few years ago um just through the whole singer songwriter circuit and uh I I've been proud to call you a friend and and um uh, I appreciate you having me on your show here and I I hope you had a good time I did thanks a lot Jonathan thank you Matt my special thanks to Jonathan T for taking some time to stop by today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you very much. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's Google Play, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a moment to tell your friends and your family about our show. Let us know how much you like the show by giving us a good rating. That'll certainly help us appear higher in those search results. And feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. We hope you discovered some new music perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover.